And uh, welcome back to Buzzardry. It is uh, February 18th, a Sunday, just after 6 o'clock Central Time Zone. I'm Patrick McGee. I'm here with uh, Jacob Fitzgerald and Jonathan Brent. How are you guys doing? Good. As good as, good as you can be after a, a result like today, I guess. But yeah. be on. Yep. Yeah, hey, look, we uh, we went 2-1. and one, So I'm going to stick to that and uh, be excited about that and uh, got – one of the two basketball games, so there's some positives out there, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll start off with uh, with basketball, and I guess getting into that uh, the ULM game on uh, on Thursday night, and uh, I guess the one of the big stories uh, with that game is Donovan Ivory goes out before the game of uh, some sort of I don't know if it's on Thursday or Wednesday, but uh, some sort of uh, injury, foot injury. Sounds like it's going to be out for the year, so. Uh, that was a big blow, and then, but you know, you get a boost later. We'll talk about that. But you know, this was, uh, yeah. I mean, USM loses this one, and uh, you know, just kind of a really disappointing, you know, sixty-eight fifty-nine. Uh, and you know, you talk about you got a whole uh, uh, serve at home, especially against you know bottom three, bottom four in the league competition. It was just kind of a weird game where, yeah. So this was a game where ULM they kind of get the uh, the punch to end it. You felt like for most of the game, and USM kept coming back and coming back and cutting it to two or three and getting in a couple of possessions. And then you just weren't able to, you know, make the shots there at the end. And ULM had a couple of big shots. Tyreek LeCure had a big game with five of 10 from three. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was, you know, a, a game where you had an unusual lineup to town where you had, you know, with the injuries, you had have Armstrong play a lot. He played 14 minutes, uh, which I guess, you know, isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things but for him. You know, it's a lot more than his usual load. Uh, Benitez, 13 minutes. And yeah, I mean to go to four of twenty from three, and you know, without Ivory, you know, you don't really have a ton of shooters. Um, but yeah, man, I guess what were your guys' thoughts on this game? Uh, you know, tough one on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, Pat, I texted you sometime in November and December that I was actually going to do this this year, where I, I start a only Southern Miss uh, notes app uh, thread in my phone. Right. And so far, my two entries this year are a sub two hundred Marshall team shoots like prime Ray Allen from three and beats us by 20 because that would only happen in Southern Miss and the fact that one of your starters who was just getting hot breaks his foot in a morning shoot around or pregame shoot around when he wasn't from what we're hearing even supposed to be jumping for that rebound in the shoot around and lands on another guy's foot from what I've heard um yeah two two only Southern Miss things both basketball so far listeners out there if you have any other entries feel free to submit those and we can (laughs) we can read a read the full list on a December episode or something but yeah, couldn't be couldn't be a tougher situation. Hate that for Donovan. Hate that for the team. And when something happens that close to a, to tip off, you can't you don't have time to reassess your game plan, or it's really tough to do it on the fly. And that put us in a spot with with no heart and no no Corbello, no Ivory. You're playing with eight guys pretty much. Roger played less than a minute, but he shows up in the stat sheet for that put back at the end of the half, which is awesome. But yeah, it's tough. Um, Vi and it, Vi plays thirty four. Isa plays thirty four. Crowley 39, Montgomery 34. Um, those guys are going to be gassed. And if you don't shoot the lights out like we didn't, like you said, we were 420 from three, um, just t- 21 points in one half of basketball. That's not good, especially against a team of what was four and eight in the conference at the time, four and seven, something like that. Um, yeah, you don't want to don't want to lose these games, especially at home. But when you're put in that situation, it's tough. Uh, I think we're down 18 at one point and a half. I will applaud our our second half surge that we made 21, 21, even worse. Yeah. Um, I all applaud the surge that we made. The team showed a lot of fight. I think we're down three with a chance to tie it last minute of the game, somewhere around there. And 
couldn't hit the shot, couldn't draw, get a good look. And yeah, LaCour had, had a good game and killed us. Um, but yeah, tough loss. Yeah, not not a lot of positives there, unfortunately. Um, I, I would say, I guess the few that that you could point out would would be maybe some of the guys that don't typically get a lot of minutes, being able to get a lot of minutes, right? I mean, developmentally, that's a, that's a positive for those guys. Um, but uh, being able to bounce back, uh, and we'll move into the, I'm sure we'll move right into Texas State. Being able to bounce back after that and uh, have some key pieces back is better, but. Uh, Ugly went all around, uh, using losing to a ULM program that's been struggling this year, unfortunately, and uh, good to get that one behind us. Yeah, and then I guess another thing I'd add is uh, USM t- uh, 18 turnovers. That's the 28% uh, percent of uh, possessions you have a turnover, which uh, just kind of comp- or putting that into perspective. Uh, in Division One basketball, the highest turnover rate in the country, the team that has that is Mississippi Valley, 24%. So you turn it over more than the highest – or the the team that turns over the most in the country turn it over more than they do on average. So just putting that in perspective. So not a really good job handling the basketball. You weren't able to shoot the three well enough. And yeah, it was just kind of it was a really just a kind of a weird game. You know, the game was you know what it was an eight o'clock tip off because of the whole fight in the uh, in the women's game that you know that that bumped it back about thirty minutes. So just kind of a, a weird vibe, and you just didn't do anything well enough to really win this between you know not shooting it well, uh, turning it over too much. And then uh, ULM hitting a couple uh, key shots late. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, moving in, and, you know, it was kind of weird. I was kind of thinking, you know, after that game where you lose to ULM and that puts you back in the standings, and I was thinking, well, now you're so hurt with Ivory out and, you know, Hart out was out in that last game. It sounds like Hart uh, is going to be able to come back pretty soon, but it is, you know, frustrating that he got hurt in that Western Michigan game that had no bearing on the standings. Just, um, you know, we did. I think we talked about that, or at least on Twitter. You know, There's maybe that's the only other missed thing right there for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing in a, a, a not 100% player in a game that uh, doesn't count toward the standings. But, um, but yeah, I mean, going into that Texas State game, I guess the big surprise was Andre Cabrello coming back and uh, him just having a huge game. So, yeah, you win 78 74. And uh, I mean, yeah, Cabrello was MVP, 24 points on uh, on nine shots, uh, even hit a three. But, you know, you, you kind of think uh, heading into that game when you lose someone like an average that's a shooter, you kind of think, well, is Cabrello, can he even make that big of a difference? Because he's not a, you know, not a huge scoring threat, not a huge shooter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he scores 20 plus. And, you know, I think going forward, this team is going to have to kind of not, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know if you say they're a volume shooting team, but you know, kind of be a lot more selective in, in the shots you take. Because I mean, really, you have uh, you know Crowley, who's you know an average three point shooter set, I would say, and then you know Montgomery maybe a little bit above average, but everybody else I would say is you know you know a below average uh, three point shoot shooting shooting guys. And um, but yeah, I mean, it was just um, uh, but yeah, it was just a, a really good uh, offensive performance one point one five points per possession against the Texas State team that's pretty good. Um, defensively, uh, you only give up three, three threes, uh, all by the same guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the Curbelo entrance back into the lineup, uh, you know, really gives you a spark and gives you at least a glimmer of hope, uh, that you can, you know, maybe run the table or at least win three out of four and put yourself on a spot where you have a, a shot at one of those top four seeds and a double pass. So, um, yeah. What did you guys think of that? Yeah, I actually wasn't by my phone during pregame or for the pregame show for this game, and I, I turned the game on for tip-off, and we won the tip-off after a, a second effort from Ize, I think, and Crowley, like, football snapped the ball to Curbelo when he controlled the tip, 
And I was like, who's that number 11 that has the ball? I, I, it wasn't even in my mind that, <laughs> that Curbell would play. And I was like, oh, that's a pleasant surprise. And he admittedly um, wasn't 100% or anywhere close to it. But the quote about not being, not wanting to see his guys suffer and the fact that he's willing to gut it out. Um, and and Cardona's uh, post-game presser was really inspiring. And you're right, he, he took over the game. Um, eight of nine shooting, seven and nine from the free throw line for a guy that is known as a distributor first. Um Gritty, gritty win against a team of similar talent, I'd say, as, as ULM. Got a whole turf at home, and there's some times in the second half it looked like that may not be the case. Five-point deficit at halftime, but um, you'll take the wins anyway you can get them this time of year. And and we did have a little schedule luck with uh, ULM, or ULL, sorry, losing the app, and I believe Marshall losing to Coastal, which are kind of kind of unexpected. That that puts you in a position where these, these two UL games that we'll talk about in a little bit are, are huge. But we, we aren't fully out of it, even with the, the home loss to, to ULM for a top four. Yeah, going going down eight there towards the end of the first half, I was uh, sweating it pretty hard. But um, a lot of fight from the team, and it's clear that they're not giving up, which is fantastic, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, going back to what you said about Carbello, you know, I think a lot of people um, – you know, with his injury and with some of the things that we've seen, I think a lot of people have, at least in their own mind, tried to write him off and, you know, think that he's not going to be back and he's not going to contribute. But, um, you know, him going to Cardona and, and telling him that, you know, he wanted to get in there and fight with his with his team, uh, it says a lot. And he did just that uh, in, that, in that Texas State game. So that's exciting and, and gives us a little bit more momentum than, you know, maybe we thought we would have had going into the next three. So kind of getting into the lineup going forward. So, uh, a walko goes down. It sounds like that's just going to be kind of a, a groin pull, maybe. Um, so I don't think it's going to be anything like super long term. But I mean, yeah, he only played ten minutes, and you know, in the minutes that he played, I mean, he played pretty well. Uh, nine points on uh, uh, or nine points in ten minutes. Um, so he had a presence before he got hurt. But I think uh, going forward, I think I guess the lineup. I, I think you would have to say it's going to be Crowley, Arnold. Curbelo, Awako, and Montgomery. I think Montgomery is going to slide in there and kind of give you that presence that Ivory gave you, uh, kind of that three-point shooting guy. Not going to necessarily put the ball on the floor a ton, but can, you know, score from beyond the arc. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Ize's had a bigger role and has done okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to kind of be the five that, uh, that you go for or uh, use going forward. Um, so did or do you guys agree or disagree or whatever? Yeah, I, I will say those first probably 10 or 15 minutes after B.I. got hurt, they were absolutely destroying us down low. It seemed like they were just get one guy in the paint and then as they flocked to him and then one they were one pass away from a gimme layup. And I, I hope B.I. is okay because that um, – I think that on the defensive end, especially around the paint, around the glass, he, he's he's a big-time big time help for us there. Uh, but I agree. I think that Ivory's – I guess we're going to assume that Ivory's out for the year, very slim chance to return. Um yeah, I think that Kobe slots in there as your um, your three point shooter, three point thread, and need him to, to heat it up a little bit. He kind of got hot towards the middle of the year, and I feel like he's faded a little bit. But this definitely gives him gives him an opportunity. Thirty three minutes um, in this game, and played around the same, I think, against uh, against ULM. So he's he's a big X factor going forward. I guess moving into this uh, upcoming week, uh, South Alabama. Uh, that is a that's on Thursday at Reed Green and. And you kind of look at South the last year. I mean, the, you know, they crushed our hopes and dreams uh, last year in Pensacola. Uh, and, you know, really heading down the stretch, they might have been playing better than anybody else in the league, even though they had an eight seed just because they struggled in the first part of the 
uh, or first half of the conference season, but, you know, they had Isaiah Moore, Owen White, uh, Kevin Samuel, and, you know, that was a really strong core they had, and, you know, they were able to get to the conference championship and really came pretty close to winning it against uh, ULL last year. But, you know, they lose all three of those guys, and, you know, their uh, roster um, construction is very portal-oriented. But just uh, looking at their team this year, so uh, not big, uh, pretty good guard play. Uh, I guess you got a guy you look at, true freshman, that's, you know, really carried a big load for him. Uh, Marcus Millender, uh, true fre- or true freshman from Houston, uh, he's averaging eight point eight a game. Uh, Isaiah Gator, a guy averaging fourteen a game, uh, thirty one minutes. But I guess their their big man would be uh, Thomas Allen, a transfer from ULM, six eight, uh, averages. Um, he's the only guy that averages over uh, four rebounds a game. Uh, and then you kind of look. I mean, their tallest guy that, but he's not. He kind of plays more like a Mo Bolden type, you know, a big guy that uh, is more of a guard. Julian Margrave, he's a sophomore, uh, and he's really he's only going to put the or he's only he's not going to put the ball on the floor really at all. Almost, uh, you know, exclusively a three point guy. So uh, not really someone you look at uh, that's going to do a lot um, inside. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're uh, uh, two twenty five in Ken Palm uh, again, uh, thirteen and fourteen. Uh, five and nine uh, in the conference. So uh, I think this is a team that you should be able to beat at home. Uh, they don't rebound it well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is not, you know, the the South team of uh, of last year where they got really hot down the stretch and, you know, beat USM pretty badly twice. Uh, and then you look at the, kind of the big game uh, on Saturday and they're already kind of marketing this as a whiteout again is uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And this is, you know, going to have huge implications uh, for uh, for a top four, yeah. So uh, Colby Julian's the guy. He's been in Lafayette for several years, but yeah, he's the guy that really makes him go. One of the better players in the league, averaging almost eighteen a game, uh, shooting thirty five percent from three. Kind of the big man, uh, who's Zaya Kittinge. Uh, he's a transfer from Coastal. He's averaging twelve and um, seven. Uh, Joe Charles is another guy that uh, is going to be a factor uh, rebounding it. Uh, he averages eleven and almost ten. Uh, and then, you know, a guy that uh, you look at, and he had a big game last year for ULL uh, in, in the game at home and the game at Hattiesburg, Kentrell Garnett, guy that he's not going to put it on the floor a lot, going to take a lot of threes. Uh, but you, you kind of look at uh, their team. So the one thing that really stands out is they're the number one team in the country in defending the three. Team shoot 27% from three uh, against him. So, again, yeah, that's tops in the country. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're a smaller team, 299th in height. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Charles and Kittinge, they're two big men that, you know, get, uh, you know, most of their boards or, or a lot of their boards, six, eight and, uh, six, seven. Themis Folks, uh, he was a transfer from South Carolina State. He was on the team, uh, last year, but, uh, didn't have a huge role, um, or didn't score a ton of points, uh, but he's back. So, um, again, one of the top teams uh, in the conference, and uh, it's going to have big top four implications. You got, or yeah, let you guys come on that. Yeah, I think obviously two two huge games coming up. I think with South, it's not the, you're right. It's not the same team we saw last year with or without full health. Um, they don't rebound the ball super well around thirty a game, and they don't distribute the ball super well either. Um, but again, depleted roster, Southern Miss versus South Alabama, anything can happen. But that's a game you expect to be favored in and hope to hold serve there. And then, yeah, you, the UL game, just like it always is with them too, just like South, it's going to be a dogfight. Julian's a guy, you know, you expect to see on these first or second team all Sun Belt lists. He's been great for them this year. And 
Um, they score, they scored a lot, 77 points a game. Like you said, they defend the three ball pretty well. And the thing that sticks out to me is they, they really spread their minutes and usage out. They've got nine guys that average 20 minutes a game. That's, that's um, pretty distributed for a D1 team, um, pretty evenly distributed, I, I should say. Um, but, yeah, two huge games. Um, we are currently one game behind UL for, in fourth. Um, so that game after Saturday would give us a tiebreaker if we beat them. And that, four, that coveted fourth seed gives you a double bye, which greatly increases your chances to make a run in the conference tournament by playing one less game. And, um then you get a rematch with them at their place um, the next Saturday, I guess. Um, but also notable mm-hmm. for UL is that they've got a they've got Troy sandwich between us, so that's another very losable game for them. Whereas we have South, um, so yes, huge implication. Got hold serve Thursday, and we're in for a a really really big one, biggest game of the year um, on Saturday. But I guess Thursday is the biggest game of the year until then. Yeah, with you know with. <laughs> the amount of weirdness and, and craziness that's, you know, been plaguing the program over the last few weeks, you know, from, I mean, from Ladner to Ivory, you know, even back to Hart's injury, like I, I you know, I hate to, to feel any, uh, any way, you know, either direction towards the, the next few games, not only, you know, not only the first iteration of South and, uh, and ULL, but also the next over the next couple of weeks, but huge implications, like you said, which, uh, you know, stakes are high. So I think <laughs> it makes me worried, uh, obviously with the, with what we've had going on with, with high stakes, but having said that, it's also a huge opportunity. And I think that, um, you know, being that one game behind UL, uh, putting putting a good foot forward to to get us propelled into that spot in the in the tournament. Uh, yeah, I think it can't be um, understated how big that uh, UL game is, but we got to win the next one first. So, yeah, just real quick before we get to baseball, looking at some of those uh, con- or just the conference standings. So again, like we've said, ULL nine and five, that's fourth, and then USM Arkansas State tied at eight and six, uh, which, uh, which we split with them, right? Yes, and so uh, that because of that, uh, it would come down to record against the first place team, which right now is App State. USM does not play App State. Arkansas State plays in the very last game after the first place. It come down to second place, and USM beat uh, JMU, and then Arkansas State lost to JMU. So USM would have the uh, advantage there. Um, but I guess you kind of look at these upcoming schedules. I think USM doesn't quite control their own destiny but i do think if usm wins out uh which will be very difficult just because you know you have two more road games including one at ulo which will be tough but um i think usm will get one of those top four because if you win the or if you win out you'd be ahead of ull and then uh arkansas state uh could win out uh, theoretically but their last game is that app uh first place app which is you know gonna be really tough so i think usm pretty much is pretty much controls uh, their destiny. You look at ULL plays at uh, Monroe before they come to Hattiesburg. Root hard for Monroe there. Um, but yes, if USM can beat South Alabama, that would uh, set up the ULL game to be at least temporarily for a uh, for a top four. Um, so yeah, yeah. If you're a listener and you're, uh, I guess, listening more for football and baseball content, you haven't made a, a game or hadn't made too many this year at the greenhouse. Uh, these are the two to, to go to, um, especially Saturday with the wideout. The, the how much fun it was last year with the sellout and there's a, a baseball game before I believe it's the reverse order this Saturday, right? Yes. Yes. yes you can have a big day on campus. Turning to baseball. Uh, obviously, you know, that was, uh, everybody's pumped up about baseball. I mean, really the most hype I've seen around a USM sport preseason, uh, than a, you know, really ever. Um, but yeah, so USM wins this one four to one. 
And, uh, you know, I guess the story kind of all weekend was lack of offense, and we'll get to the whole big picture view, but USM uh, scores in the first off a triple from uh, Ozzie Pratt. It was a tough play. The center fielder almost made it. Uh, but, yeah, just got over his head. Then you had a, a sack fly from Pato to make it uh, – and that scored two on that Pratt triple. Uh, Pato uh, with a sack fly to make it 3 nothing, And then Pato um, uh, doubled there in the, in the fourth to make it 4 nothing. Marist added one in the seventh. But I guess the big story for me uh, was uh, Nico Mazza. Uh, and, you know, obviously not great competition, so you can't take a ton from it. But just the way he was able to fill up the zone – uh, going five and a third, didn't walk anybody at eight Ks. Uh, and yeah, I mean, scoreless, I uh, didn't give him any runs, only four hits. Uh, so 65%, I think, was his strike rate, which is the third highest in his career. So uh, that was really encouraging. And the Colby Allen comes in, pitches well, three and two thirds, uh, gave a one run that was unearned, walked uh, one, struck out five. So uh, what was y'all's guys' take from that first game? Yeah, you said it. I think Nico was a story. Um, command looked better, he looked more confident. Um, had a more efficient outing, took you into the sixth inning. Um, they only had one extra base hit all day. Um, I thought Colby Allen looked like he had taken a step over the offseason, too. I thought he had maybe had taken his velocity and um, commanded his new arsenal better. Um, but two hits is, is the first number that sticks out, and uh, that's definitely what kind of had the, t- the taste in my tongue after that game. But when you get take 11 freebies with uh, – five hit by pitches and six walks. That's a, that's a larger number of freebies than you normally see in a game. So I got to applaud the team for, for showing patience there, but definitely like more than two hits against Maris, but um, cold opening day game um, somewhere against Liberty a few years ago, somewhere against um, early series we've seen in the past where that opening day game, first day jitters. Um, I guess you get more of a pass there, but a win to win. And as we learned today, you can't take those for granted. <laughs> Yeah, you said it. I think the I think the one question that we proposed last week about Mazza was command, right? I think that he showed that, um, you know, if if had if he hadn't taken a step forward, then he's at, at the better end of where he finished up last year. So um, that's obviously something that's encouraging. Um, yeah, I don't know if we'll get eleven walks again. Uh, that's a lot of uh, a lot of free bases, but. Um, yeah, the um, the two hits is is, is kind of head scratching. Obviously, they're going to be. Uh, you assume that they're throwing their best guy, um, but then again, you've got to look at the level of competition that you assume is uh, probably some of the lowest that we'll see this season. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's time to uh, time to raise those alarm bells yet, but it may be. Um, Ozzie Pratt is you know nothing short of an electric factory, and I really liked his uh, post game when he was talking about how much he enjoyed and and. Um, I guess was appreciative of the opportunity to play at BYU, which I didn't realize his uncle was the coach there. So that's a that's a cool thing. And um, uh, he said, you know, as soon as he made contact with that ball that uh, ended up going over the center fielder's head, he said he kind of blacked out and then woke up on third base and and knew then that it was kind of um, this was his home. So uh, that was a really cool story. And uh, I mean, I even think throughout the weekend he kind of solidified himself as somebody that's really fun to watch and really fun to follow. So uh, excited, to, excited to see that from him. Um, yep. Yeah, I'll add, first of all, I said last week that Ozzy was an Oxford High grad, and I apologize. He was a Magnolia Heights grad. I had a, a listener from, from Tupelo, Mississippi, call me out and say we need some more MIS love. So I apologies. I have, to... I have a feeling I know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep him anonymous unless he wants to be. You can mm-hmm. quote quote the, this tweet and, and give me a shout out. but. <laughs> um, you heard all offseason how Seth Smith's going to be special and how 
good of a spring he had and how he was really pushing Ozzy. And you're talking about a guy who um, started at shortstop as a true sophomore, maybe freshman too, for a big program like BYU. And that means that a true freshman and Seth Smith's really going to be doing some special things. And I think that the way Ozzy played this weekend kind of showed that he is he's, good, he's a really good player too. And uh remains to be seen if, uh, if Seth will shirt or if he'll have another opportunities in the infield this week or for the rest of the season. But yeah, I really, uh, really enjoyed seeing Ozzy play this weekend. Yeah. And, uh, I guess moving into, uh, to game two and then I guess just, yeah, I mean, Maza, you know, you kind of look at your Friday and I just kind of back to the Friday night guy thing, but you got to be able to throw strikes and his ability to, you know, not, or him not walk anybody 65% strike rate, definitely a step in the right direction. Cause again, yeah, that's not, that's a non-negotiable, uh, for a Friday starter, but uh, moving into Saturday night, really cold game uh, in the 40s. Uh, but yeah, Maris got on the board, uh, take a one nothing lead in the first. But yeah, USM was able to get three in the first. Monastere sack fly, uh, Pratt with another uh, another big hit with the double. And then Gillespie had a single, make it three to one. Uh, Tucker uh, was able to reach on on an error because the the guy didn't touch on plate uh, to make a four to one. And then you give up a home run uh, in the fifth to make it four two. Uh, but then in the fifth, you get a uh, a line out uh, sack fly from Tucker to make a five to two, and then uh, Maris kind of came apart there in the sixth. Uh, walked in two runs, uh, dropped a fly ball to make it eight to two, um, and then a wild pitch uh, to make it nine to two. Wilkes uh, was able to drive it around the field to make it ten to two, and then uh, ninth inning, uh, Maris got uh, a couple runs there, uh, ten to five. Uh, and I guess he will kind of get into Jake Cook, who uh, was in that ninth inning, but. Uh, you know, Oldham was, you know, typical Oldham, you know, six innings, uh, gives up uh, two runs, both earned, uh, six hits, uh, one walk, struck out seven. And then, you know, McCarty English came in, true freshman from Ocean Springs, which uh, we were kind of wondering if he was going to pitch or not. But, yeah, he comes in on opening weekend, and it looked good. It was 91-93. Uh, slider looked good, and he went two innings, uh, two scoreless innings, only gave it one hit, uh, struck out two. And I guess Jake Cook. Uh, struggled a little bit, uh, gave up three runs, and none of them were earned. But, you know, he walked two, gave up two hits, and uh, he was kind of exclusively throwing that 91 to 94 mile per hour fastball. Uh, but, yeah, struggled with control a little bit. And it kind of just kind of shows you how guys nowadays, you know, used to be, you could play a snowbird and you have a, you have a lefty up there throwing 91, 94. They're just going to swing through. But nowadays, you know, you kind of got to have a, almost a little, you know, more than that, even against the weaker Division One teams where, you know, those guys are going to hit it now with, you know, they just they see that 91 to 94 more. Uh, but it wasn't his best outing, so we'll see, you know, where he goes. I mean, he was a guy that, um, you know, I think people said he was maybe even up to 96 um, in the fall. He was 91 to 94 um, on this game, which is, you know, certainly, you know, very good uh, for a left-handed arm. But, uh, yeah, 10-5 to five, uh, win. and But, I mean, again, you, you benefit from nine walks uh, and then, uh, let's see, four mayors to errors. So, uh, a 10-5 to five win, but another game where you were uh, out hit. And um, But, yeah, I mean, it was 10-5 to five win, and, you know, certainly glad to, uh, to not lose. So. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, when we went down in the first after the, the triple – <clears throat> from Maris, I like the, the response we had in the in the first inning to put three up real quick. Um, the single department, extra base set department, and freebie department. Um, so it was nice to see us go up three one there. Um, like you said, I thought Billy was Billy. He made two mistakes, one was or two, I guess, mistakes that show up the most on the stat sheet with the homer that he left up and the triple down the line. But um, six innings, six hits, seven strikeouts. That's what you need from Billy. That's what you expect from Billy. And uh, yeah, McCarty English proved me wrong. I, I made it. I alluded to the fact that he may shirt last episode, and 
he was he looked awesome. Just two scoreless, one hit, two Ks. Um, I think he was 92, 94. Right yeah, 90, 91, 93, yeah. Yeah, true freshman from Ocean Springs. Um, yeah, it's, it's just cool to me to look back on how – we may think we have an idea on how Oz is going to construct his, his pins opening weekend. And then first or second guy out of the pin, it's just kind of like, what? Like last year was Tyler Martin from Nebraska. And I remember his first year, he went to Jacob Weirich before Ryan Ock against state and Weirich shut state down. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so cool to me to see guys that we, we may not even have our, on our radar. Or Sibley last year came out pretty early from the pin um, who we thought may shirt, but um, get really excited for that from McCarty. I hope we can see more of him and he can, keep that composure and command like he did and um, throw a lot of strikes. And uh, yeah, Ozzy had another good game, two for four. Um, Russo got on base every plate appearance. Gabe Broaddus was two for five. Um, yeah, eight hits, but along with uh, nine walks, four errors, and, and a hit by pitch as well. So uh, good job of taking our freebies there too. Yeah, I um, I think uh, you know, McCarty English is certainly uh, exciting from the from the pen. Um, really like what we saw from him. Uh, you know, I think you know somebody said it earlier this weekend that you know he he looks to be one that may have some uh, nil dollars dangled in front of his face from some uh, you know what I would consider peer programs across the country, but maybe uh, a little more wealthy than us. Uh, but uh, you know, Jake Cook, I think I, I think that. You know, had he kept caught a couple of breaks defensively that, um, you know, really probably should have happened anyways, I think his outing looks really good. And I'm excited about the stuff that he had, um, you know, and, and don't think that, you know, with, you know, what you would consider a rough outing from him is really indicative of what's going to be the case from him. I think he's got a bright future for sure. But uh, uh, obviously Billy Oldham gets it done uh, just like we expected him to and um, excited about that. Uh, cold game out there, and everybody was kind of kind of frosted to the bone. I was lucky to be uh, sitting next to a good friend of mine named Anthony, who had a propane heater. So shout out to him and thank him for that. But um, good night, good win. Yeah, and uh, or were you going to say something, Jonathan? Yeah, I was going to say I I I guess we didn't necessarily call it X factors, or all three of us did last didn't last weekend. But I was going to say that I think that my X factor coming into the year is defense and just the amount of turnover and new faces, particularly up the middle um, with Ozzy and Tucker and Monastery playing a new position that that's going to um, be something I look at a lot early in the year. And you mentioned Cook's error being Cook's three runs all being under, and that was because of an error up the middle. And we have one of those in every game this week, I believe. So um, that's something that I hope we can improve on going forward. Yeah, I'm seeing yeah. A, a, a lot of really good flashes from that middle infield, um, and there's just a couple of what I would consider boneheaded mistakes happening. But uh, I'm hoping that's an experience thing and that that'll get cleaned up quick. But there are, I mean, there's some good things happening for sure. Yeah, Pro- Ozzy's got a cannon too. I wouldn't expect that out of that small body frame, but just kind of like Dickerson, he's got a uh, that first throw he had across the middle where he was kind of rushed. I that I did a double take. Yeah, I think he could even dial that back a little bit in yeah. some in some instances. He looks like he gets pretty excited and it's it's fun to watch, but uh I mean like we I mean we'll talk about it in a minute. I'm sorry, but one got away from him today. That was a, <laughs> uh not a great throw, but yeah, he's he's got a lot going for him. And he's quicker than I thought he was too. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to, you know, be able to steal at least double digit bases, you know, 10 to 15 bases or so, but um yeah, just moving into the uh last game Sunday uh was today's game. 
And uh, yeah, so Marist, uh, so Sively got the start, which we were speculating who that Sunday starter was going to be. Was it going to be Sively, Armistead, Best? Sively gets the start. And, uh, you know, Marist was able to hit him pretty well. I mean, they got a triple there, uh, RBI triple to make a one to nothing, RBI grand out to make a two to nothing. And then uh, USM was able to get one back in the first on a, on a ground out. But uh, they had a clutch. Marist had a clutch uh, two out, uh, two RBI single to make it four to one in the third. Uh, you get a home run from Tucker Stockman, first home run, and I guess at this point only home run of the year uh, to make it four to two. Um, and he almost hit one in, uh, earlier in the game, which was just foul. Um, but yeah, I mean, Maris, they get another run in the six off the RBI single. You get a blue uh, single from Broadus to make it five to three. And then uh, Maris, they got a little bit of insurance there in the ninth on a wild pitch. Uh, and they, you know, they win it six to three. So we'll kind of talk about what this loss means. But obviously, I mean, Incredibly disappointing, I think, uh, is what most people would say. You know, you, you kind of look at Maris was a sub-250 team a year ago. Uh, and you have sub-250 teams. Last year, I looked it up. Went 4-161 and against top-50 teams last season, uh, RPI-wise. Uh, they only had one win last year against top-200 opponents. Their other uh, 15 wins were against sub-200. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, you kind of look at the uh, the stat line. Uh, civilly struggled, uh, went uh, two and two thirds, gave up seven hits. I uh, didn't walk anybody, but uh, that uh, three strikeouts gave up uh, four runs. And you know, it just it seemed like kind of the didn't have a lot. I thought he was someone that could have seen a velocity jump, but it was kind of still seemed like 86, 89. Uh, had that big looping curveball that was you know at 68 a time or two. I think he added a change up that he used a little bit in this game, but uh, uh Drew Druckenmiller. Uh, Juco transfer came in, stabilized the game, went three and a third, uh, only gave up uh, a one run, struck out five, no walks. Uh, ben Riley Flowers threw a good inning. I thought he looked pretty good. He was low 90s fastball. And then uh, J.B. Middleton uh, pitched well, uh, two innings, uh, walked one, struck out four, uh, gave up one run that was uh, unearned, uh, didn't give up any hits. And he was, you know, 94, 97, which is kind of what we expected from him. But Overall, I mean, it, it was a, I think what most people would say was an underwhelming uh, weekend for baseball. I mean, the team as a whole offensively, I think offensively, that's the big concern for people where you hit 163 as a team against what's going to be the worst competition you face all year, 634 OPS. Uh, and then you kind of look at extra base hits. USM only had um, five extra base hits. Uh, the entire weekend, uh, out hit in all three games. Um, and you really, you know, and then you, you know, benefited from errors. You were 10 runs on uh, on Saturday, but you've been for, for a lot of walks and errors. So, uh, you know, pitching, it was, uh, you know, pretty solid, I think, outside of, you know, a couple, uh, I guess, appearances. You know, Sibley struggled. Uh, and then Jake Cook. Uh, and then the combination with that in the defense, the ninth inning, you know, that it wasn't great. But I mean, you know, you, you only give up, uh, let's see, 12 runs in, in 27 innings, which is pretty solid, um, even against a Marist-type uh, team, five walks, 36K. So pitching was fine. But I think offensively, that is the question uh, that it really hasn't been answered because, again, you go uh, 14 of 86 at the plate, sub 200 against a you know a really bad team, I think most people would agree. And then, you know, just not a lot of power. A lot of guys that, you know, had done it last year were struggling, so – uh, but yeah, what was y'all's take uh, overall on the weekend? I think I think pitching is exactly what we expected, right? I mean, it looks like we haven't skipped a beat there, and we didn't expect to because of Coach Ostrander uh, is kind of the standard for that. Um, offensively, um, you know, with the walks and of course winning the first two games, 
Um, I think it's easy to ignore a lot of the red flags that you see offensively, but then, uh, you know, you have a game like you had today and then you put the numbers together and um, considering our opponent, it was a pretty abysmal showing offensively. I mean, five for 29 with runners in scoring position and then 0 for out of seven attempts at the plate with uh, the bases loaded. So I know we saw a little bit of that last year. Um, that and was the year frustrating before, to some and the year people. Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just seemed to be the rhyme, right? But uh, it, it's it's hugely concerning when you consider the opponent, right? I would expect maybe a weekend like that uh, against some really quality arms, maybe uh, um, you know some what we you know quote unquote power conference arms, um, but against a team like Marist who isn't you know really even expected to do much in their own conference, um, it. it it, it has to be said that there's there's concern there. Now I'm not saying that the the season's for naught, and uh, you know we should give up and, and go home. But uh, it, it definitely raises a lot of questions, and I hope that there's uh, there's something there that 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 can be done. Yeah, I'm gonna try not to sound rash as someone still mad about today's result, and try to be as straight of a shooter as possible while also being fair. Um, this roster and its current construction was not a top 25 team and did not warrant a preseason top 25 ranking. Let's be honest. You lose your two best arms and you lose six of your nine starters, a bunch of which have been there since the mid 2010s because of COVID. Any team in America that's not in the SEC West or named Vanderbilt or Florida is not going to be ranked preseason from that kind of turnover. Because of that turnover, you can expect growing pains and that's fair. New head coach, all of that. But I think that it's fair. You can expect growing pains and also expect to sweep Marist at the same time. By RPI, Pat, you can run the numbers on this. It's somewhere near the first, first, second, or third worst loss of the in ten years, and it's at home. And with those, the new RPI formulas, that's a loss that leaves you out of the hosting conversation. That's a loss that leaves you out and out at large when it's sticking out like like, like Oakland did in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. That is the reason we weren't in the tournament. Uh, it's not a series loss; it is a loss, but and that but that loss still shows up, um, and that it's just disappointing when you leave twelve on base, you hit one sixty three against a team where you're the talent you're about to face is only going to get better. Mm-hmm. The opponent in a weekend that we thought we pitched well, which I do too, we we did throw the ball well. You still hit eighty points below them in batting average. You average less than five hits a game. You get out hit all three games. We're not playing DBU. We're not playing Liberty. We're not playing Missouri State or Indiana State. This is against Marist. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. And I'm not, again, not saying the season's for not, not saying cancel all hopes and plans for June. But yeah, like Fitz said, there's a lot of red flags that we saw on the offensive side of the ball. And it took it took a bad outing from Sibley combined with some other things to for it to amount to a loss and kind of make them rise to the surface. And I think with Sibley's outing, I think that, like you said, I, it was fair to expect maybe a velocity uptick, and we didn't really see that today. And Sibley said it himself. He's Osk says he's a, he's a deceptive guy, crafty lefty, crossover delivery. But when you have that kind of arsenal, you have to locate and you have to have high pitchability. And Sibley didn't do that today. His misses, whereas Mayor's misses all weekend were outside the strike zone and they walked us. Sibley's misses were over the plate, and he got hit, and he got hit hard. And that's going to happen to anyone. Uh, or against any lineup now nowadays 89 to 90 um and i think that yeah command was the issue with him control and um yeah uh, armistead was just announced the uh 
starter tomorrow against Air Force. We'll see if he okay. gives a better starting out outing. And uh, I don't know if it's too early to warrant uh, rotation changes or batting order changes, but um, there's enough there in both of those to maybe see an experiment there, I'd say. Well, yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, I don't think that we should be in meltdown mode or anything like that at this point. I do think that there's a lot of a lot of uh, positives from the young people that we saw, right? I mean, uh, Tucker Stockman with a huge homer today and then the one the prior at bat that he hit foul, that would have easily been a home run. I mean, just about the same spot he put the homer. So, um, you know, I like from what we saw from him. I think that uh, – um, you know, he's definitely a good option for, for catcher, whether, you know, whether they split time over the weekend, like we've done in the past or, or whatever the case is, you know, um, there, there are some redeeming things that we saw this weekend, but, um, then again, there's some, some questions. So. Yeah. And, and again, just, I guess the, you know, we just talk about like Marist and, you know, their strength of the team. I mean, all these guys that were throwing, I mean, the Friday, they actually throw out some guys that had decent stuff, you know, that were kind of low nineties. I mean, they would have been like, I mean, not great stuff, but you know, some about average stuff, but I mean, really everybody they threw on Saturday and Sunday were like mid eighties. I mean, kind of exactly what you would think from uh sub two fifty, you know, picked eighth in the, uh, in the Metro Atlantic type of team. So it's going to be, you know, interesting to see how they shuffle or if they shuffle the lineup at all. I mean, do you give, uh, Braden Luke a chance. I mean, Russo had a, a decent, uh, you know, weekend, but nine seventeen OPS. Uh, but I mean, a lot of that was walks and hit by pitches. I mean, he had, uh, let's see, seven, uh, between five walks and two hit by pitches through seven, uh, of his, uh, eight, uh, uh, results of getting on base were not hit. So, um, yeah, man. And the same thing with like, you know, Monastere, he was hit, uh, four times, didn't have a hit. So, uh, you know, is concerning just because you know you expect and really the the kind of, of the guy the newcomers you know Ozzy Pratt I guess has D one experience but you know he had a great weekend but some of the guys that you know have done it before like Wilkes and Monastere and Pato didn't have huge weekends um, so it, it's a you know you know the uh, new lineup that is a you know a real thing but you know a lot of the guys that you've had for several years now and that were you're counting on didn't have a, a big weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I think I would, you know, probably give the team, honestly, I mean, they won the series, but I would say it was a D minus type performance. I mean, you did the bare minimum of, of winning the weekend. Uh, but just the, you know, I don't, I don't think you would say you're outplayed over the weekend, but I mean, the fact that you're out hit is very, uh, very discouraging in all three games. And then, you know, obviously over the weekend. Um, but I, I think, um, Going to be interesting to see what they do at second base. I mean, do you move Pratt? I mean, you know, I don't know if you want to make a knee jerk move already, but do you know, you move Pratt to second base, then you move Seth Smith to the shortstop because, you know, Nolan Tucker was 0 for 8. Uh, you know, he was uh, only able to get on base um, twice uh, uh, this weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, the lineup we thought it was going to, or it was going to, you know, depend on, you know, the proven guys playing, uh, you know, either equal or above where they played, you know, hopefully above where they played in previous years. And then some of the new guys, um, at least holding serve. And that just wasn't the case this week. I mean, you look at Davis Gillespie, a guy that, uh, you know, had a lot of hype. I, I, I thought he was going to hit the first home run of the weekend, went one for 11. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and again, like Jonathan said, it's only going to get harder. I mean, that was that you're not going to face a weaker pitching staff the rest of you. You're not going to face another pitching staff that's going to have that many guys that throw mid 80s. 
Um, and you know, maybe it's one of, you know, if you want to, you know, look for some kind of silver lining, maybe it's one of those weird things where you, you it's kind of like when SEC teams face like a soft tossing lefty, like in like a swack soft tossing lefty in the midweek and they struggle with them. You're not used to seeing that like a velo, maybe something like that. And, uh, the lineup will get going. But, um, again, pitching, I think, you know, I think you kind of look at the big positives. Maza Middleton was able to throw strikes. Uh, was a big thing. You look at Colby Allen. I mean, I think pitching overall, I think if Armistead um, has a good outing against Air Force, I think you slide him into that Sunday start against Missouri State. Um, I agree. And then maybe civilly to the midweek. But I think, you know, I mean, civilly, maybe he just, you know, he's a lefty. Maybe he's just a, like maybe an extended situation guy or just a situation guy. Uh, but I think the, the big negative that everybody's concerned about is, you know, the lack of offense um again uh this weekend so yeah i would have liked to have seen us run a little more on the bases we, we hear about how we're more athletic and have more speed with um ozzy and uh mcintyre that came off the bench every game this week and you didn't see a ton of that this week and you saw a lot of it from maris and a lot of their stolen bases came with no throws associated with them from our catchers um, i think so. they were perfect on the weekend is that right uh um, i believe that's i don't remember a time catching them. yep seven for seven yeah yep. and what were we one for two. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see a little more action on the base pass if it's going to be advertised to us that that's what we're going to do this year, too. Yeah, but I, I guess it'll – I mean, I, and Billy Butler came in for uh, for uh, one uh, at-bat struck out. But, I mean, you kind of look at, well, do you go ahead and, you know, switch or you put Butler out in left field for a little while and sit Gillespie? I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of different options that they can use between Seth Smith and Billy Butler. And, you know, maybe at this point they're not even great options, but just kind of trying some new things. Or even Stockman uh, DHing, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Stockman, I mean, I guess the thing with Stockman versus Odom is – I think Sogman is going to be the better offensive option, uh, at least right now. I think they trust Odom behind the plate more. I mean, I just based on the moves they made. I mean, they put Odom in as a defensive substitution later in the game, so that tells me that they think he's the better defensive option. Uh, you know, it's a game you're behind too, which you know you sometimes or a lot of times when you make those defensive substitutions is when you're up and you're just trying to you know make sure you you know don't make any moves that you know uh, like, then give up a run and you know tie or give up the lead, but. Um, so yeah, it's, um, we'll see what lineup they, they roll out there. I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind seeing Pratt in the leadoff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's not a conference, but, um, and you know, you're still trying to figure out the roles, but, um, you know, this is gonna be a loss that haunts you in the RPI for the rest of the season. I mean, it's going to, you know, if you're, if you win the, if you would have won this, let's say you're, you're 20, well, if you, now that you lost it, it's, you know, going to be probably 30. Um, and 30, if you were going to be 30, then you're going to be 40 and so on. So this is the kind of loss that can take you out of a hosting spot, uh, take you out of an at-large spot, knock you down a seed from a two to a three. Um, so, I mean, yes, yeah, you know, like you were saying about the RPI loss, I mean, it's at least since UT Martin in 2018, which even that series, which was disappointed that you couldn't sweep, you dominated the first two games. And then obviously that Oakland loss in 2015, uh, that series loss was, you know, you know, probably the worst series loss in program history, if we're being honest. And, you know, again, like Jonathan said, that loss kept USM out of the postseason uh, in 2015. Um, so, yeah, it was um, a discouraging weekend, I think, overall. Some positives with pitching, but again, offense just pretty much dead. 
and uh, you know really benefited mostly a lot. A lot of those runs scored on uh, walk through walks on Saturday. You're not going to see that a lot when you play some belt teams or even I mean really the rest of the non-conference. You're not going to see guys dropping routine fly balls in, in center field like like Maris did. What was the what was the aggregate? Seventeen twelve. Yep. Maris almost had double the hits that USM did twenty seven uh, to fourteen. Uh, over the weekend so yeah who knows maybe Maris will have a great season you know they before this last year they had a decent run of it where they were having winning seasons of the conference top 200 rpi which is good for a metro atlantic team they go to south florida uh this upcoming weekend so we'll see um you know so i mean we'll be rooting for the rest of the year because we want that about to say time to be red foxes fans the rest of the year i hope they win every game yeah i mean you want that loss to uh and you know the two wins to you know look as good as you can possibly make it um so yeah we'll see you know, what they can do the rest of the year and uh, hopefully they, you know, win their conference. Yeah. So uh, this week uh, in the Sun Belt, we're going to run through that real quick. So South, I, I said in the, uh, in the preview last week that South was playing a three game series against North Alabama. That was actually part of a round robin. They played uh, North Al, uh, Lamar in, uh, in Southern Indiana. They swept through that. Uh, so three and O start uh, for South in that tournament of Mobile. Uh, Marshall lost or I guess swept to Charleston. Uh, Coastal, uh, one and two this week. They beat uh, George Mason by about a million to nothing, and then they lose to Indiana. They lose to Duke, uh, which Indiana and Duke are good teams, regional type teams. But you know, I think Coastal wanted to go you know, two and one, um, in that weekend. They go one and two, um, so tough start for them. I can see them dropping out of the polls. Uh, Georgia State loses two or three at UNO. We'll talk about UNO later. Uh, Wednesday midweek opponent. Uh, Missouri State wins two or three uh, at ULM. Uh, we're going to Missouri State as well. Uh, weekend opponent coming up. Uh, Troy wins uh, eleven or uh, wins three out of four. They won eleven nothing a day. Uh, and a lot of scoring in, in that weekend series. I think there was one game that was uh, um, twenty six to fourteen. Yeah, twenty seven to fourteen. I think it was or twenty four. Yeah, so Troy wins nine eight on Friday. Twenty four thirteen. Not nine eight wins in, t- in ten innings. It was a walk off for them. Twenty four thirteen on the first Saturday game, and they lose six seven. Uh, the second game, they went 11 nothing a day. So they do win three out of four. Uh, Texas State swept uh, Youngstown State. Not a whole lot of issues there. Uh, ULO wins two out of three against Wright State. That's a tough buy series, as we talked about. That was re- you know really competitive uh, throughout uh, the weekend. So that, that's uh, a solid uh, series win for ULL. Uh, App State wins two out of three at Gardner-Webb. Uh, Georgia Southern lost two out of three at Maryland. That was a game they really should have had Friday. Lost pretty badly on Saturday. They came back and won 7-3 a day. Uh, ODU sweeps uh, George Washington, Arkansas State uh, swept Omaha, and then uh, GMU playing a four-game series at Arkansas. They have won today. They lost the first two, but uh, heading into Monday, they are down a one to two in that series. But certainly uh, going on the road and, and winning at Balm, uh, really difficult. So just to get to one there, I think I think that's a solid result for um for GMU. First quad one win of the conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what did you guess? Anything uh, from the Sun Belt weekend that uh, I guess caught your eye? Yeah, I, I think those wins today, we're recording on Sunday, on Sunday, I really salvaged, uh, well, had the, the makings of maybe being a really treacherous weekend for the Sun Belt. Um, UL split, uh, Georgia Southern already lost the series, um, JMU already lost two out of three, Coastal was one and one and ended up going one and two, but those three wins today from Georgia Southern, UL, um, and James Madison, I think that that gives us reason to um, not feel super down on, on our RPI hopes. Um, but hope we can keep it up next weekend. Yeah. So getting into this upcoming week, 
Uh, you had Air Force, and uh, Air Force just went up to Starkville. They're kind of making a tour through Mississippi, so they went uh, one and two, lost Friday, one Saturday, got a big two RBI hit in the ninth to take a 3-2 lead, and they lost a 10-2. So uh, I think you kind of look at uh, Air Force's team overall, 28-31, 17-13 in the Mountain West last year, 140 RPI, 136 Massey. Picked third in the Mountain West, and I think they're kind of comparable. Uh, you know, I guess people really aren't, you know, people aren't familiar with Air Force's program, um, and I'm, I'm not, uh, just because, you know, they're not from the, uh, the region. I mean, I guess, you know, people know Paul Skeens was from there, but, um, you know, I think they're kind of comparable to a, a Southeastern or, um, uh, UNO type team, you know, kind of a middle of the pack Southland team. Uh, so I think, you know, they are going to be better, better than Amerist, but, uh, you look at, uh, offensively, the two guys that really stand out, uh, Sam, uh, Kulisagam, uh, probably not saying that right, but he was a guy last year hit 426, uh, one, or 1192 OPS. He's more of the kind of your infield type uh, hit tool guy. Not going to hit for a lot of power. He did hit six home runs last year, but you know, playing that elevation. Uh, but, you know, he's, I think, top five second baseman of the country per D1. And then I guess the other guy that really, you know, really provides the power, uh, senior Jay Thomason, hit 21 home runs a year ago, uh, 344 average, 1161 OPS. So those are the two guys you really look at in their lineup. Don't know who they're going to throw. Uh, but again, this is a, a competitive opponent. Uh, uh, you know, again, comparable to you know, you know, the UNO Southeastern type teams, which we've seen beat USM or at least be competitive with USM in midweeks before. So, do you guys have anything on Air Force or move on to UNO? Yeah, I gotta come ready to play. I feel like we we lose one of those UNO UNO Southeastern games every year that we feel like we just aren't don't show up. Just a dud performance, and especially after Sunday, we need to. I'm excited to see how the guys respond. It's neat that it's uh, it's beauty of baseball, right? You get you don't have to wait another week to play. You can show up the next morning and. Um, get to the locker room and, and have a chance to prove yourself. Yeah, hope for a good bounce back. And then uh, UNO, again, not going to go super in-depth at UNO just because, you know, kind of people are familiar with the program. But they did go 35-24 a year ago. 13-11 in the league, 94 RPI, 116 Massey. Uh, pick third in Southland, just like Air Force, pick third in the Mountain West. Uh, Mitchell Sanford's one of the guys that, make, that makes them go. Uh, and, again, don't know who they're going to throw, but that'll be Wednesday on the lakefront. So two kind of comparable teams in that. Uh, you know, you know, maybe fringe top 100 uh, range uh, in the midweek. And, yeah, that'll uh, wrap up the five games in six days. Um, and then uh, getting into uh, to Missouri State. So Missouri State uh, last year, 33-23, 18-9 in the Missouri Valley, 83 RPI a uh, year ago, 86 Massey. They were picked third in the Missouri Valley. So all three of these opponents were picked third in their league. But, uh, but yeah, the, the rotation is going to be um, – our, the rotation this last weekend was Brant Thompson, who's a uh, D1 hat, says he has a five-pitch mix. Uh, he, he's a 5'8 guy, the, he, one of those classic like college righty bulldog type guys. Uh, but he, he was a guy, Missouri, Missouri Valley Pitcher of the Year uh, in the preseason. Um, and then you look at him last year, had solid, not great numbers, but 346 uh, ERA, uh, 137 whip. Um, you know, he's going to work probably 88 to 92. And again, like Dwayne said, five pitch, uh, uh, mix, but, um, out against ULM wasn't a great one. Went two and two thirds, gave up three, uh, earned runs, six hits, uh, walked one, struck out one. So, uh, he'll, he'll be looking to bounce back, but yeah, he, he's a proven guy again, you know, preseason pitcher of the year, um, in that league, uh, Brendan Beaver is, uh, projected to be their Saturday or was their Saturday guy this last weekend. I sent a message to somebody that used to be on this uh, this podcast, and he was, you know, talking about that was it, that said ULM, and uh, he was able to uh, to watch Missouri State uh, this weekend, and 
Uh, he was saying that Beaver is kind of the prototypical crafty funk ball uh, guy that uh, has you know given tr- USM trouble in the past. He's going to pause and speed up his delivery. Uh, but he was he's a transfer from Ashland University in D two. Uh, he was All American in D two, sub two ERA, sub one WHIP guy. So really performed well in Division two. Uh, but yeah, again, he's crafty lefty guy. Going to probably work. I think in D two he was high eighties. I think D one says he's going to be uh, you know might be up to ninety ninety two now. Uh, and he had a, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, he went uh, three and a third, gave up uh, one run or three runs, one earn, uh, but he walked four, which he did not have a, a walks problem at, at D2, uh, struck out one. So, uh, you're probably going to see him Saturday, and then we'll see what they do on Sunday. Tyler Charlton, uh, went for him uh, on Sunday. He's another lefty, missed last year with Tommy John, uh, struggled in their outing, uh, today, uh, Sunday, which they lost. I uh, went three and two thirds, gave up six runs, all learned, seven hits. Um, uh, but then offensively, so uh, kind of interesting how they've done it offensively. So in their first three games, or their three games against ULM, uh, they didn't pitch any. They used the same nine guys uh, in all three games, no pinch hitters. So they only have nine guys with stance. Uh, but the guy I think you really look at is going to be Zach Stewart. He's a guy uh, has the chance to go probably in the first five rounds, I would say. Um, you look a year ago, he was someone uh, finished with the uh, 933 OPS, 12 home runs. Another guy they bring back, Tay Gollert. Uh, 921 OPS, 11 home runs. Uh, so uh, their team, Missouri State, typically going to hit pretty well, but those are the two guys you look at. Uh, a guy that also has uh, power uh, that uh, got in this uh, scouting report. Dylan Leach, a catcher, has power for him, hit a home run that uh, kind of gave him the lead there on Saturday. Logan Chambers leads, leads them in OPS through three games. Um, 1194 OPS transfer from, uh, from uh, Tennessee. Uh, Jelani Rogers, another guy, is an OPS in thousands. Uh, he's a JUCO transfer. Uh, so they got, they got uh, I think, above average offense. Pitching is maybe not where they want it to be. Another guy, uh, Eric Loomis, uh, is a guy who's going to kind of be their um, – probably their closer, I would guess. He's a guy 94-97 from the right side. Threw two and a third over the weekend. Uh, didn't give up any runs. Uh, walked one and struck out three. So – uh, I think all all five of these, or all, all three of these opponents, are uh, varying levels of, of competitiveness. Um, I think it's going to be a, a step up. I think you look at Missouri State. You know, they're almost always the top 100 team. I mean, you mean you, this is the uh, the farewell tour for um, for Keith Gutton. He's been there 40 plus years when Barry was there, he, or he was there when Barry was there. Um, he, he's took him to Omaha regionals, three supers. So. Uh, you know, he's known as one of the good guys in college baseball. But, yeah, um, two kind of fringe to, uh, top 100 teams in the midweek. And then uh, you play a Missouri State team that I don't know if you would say they're an at-large team, but I think they're kind of in that top 75 to top 100 range. And, you know, certainly if you play like you did this last weekend, you'll probably lose the series. So, Yeah, I think, like you said, all three of these opponents um, between 80 and maybe 80 and 120, 130 overall RPI last few years and, like I think the schedule, the schedule was designed probably like this um, to start off with a snowbird that you hope you sweep, and that didn't happen. But I think each weekend um, it kind of progresses into a better and better opponent, um, at least historically. Maybe not the year Tech had last year, but going from this to Tech to Indiana State, the conference play, you kind of you step up in class each weekend, and I hope our performance does too. Um, Missouri State specifically, because we're playing them three times, um, hit two forty as a club, OPS at eight thirteen, and six or seven stolen bases, meaning they ran as much as, as Maris did. We've got, we've got a large task at our hands um, and got to show up ready to play. Um, like you said, they've kind of got a, a barrier of their own and a legend of the college baseball game. I remember them upsetting, I believe, Ole Miss one year in a super, or taking a, a super to upsetting Ole Miss in a regional maybe. 
Arkansas, 2017. Arkansas, that's who it was, yep. Um, so they're just like us, and the, they're a school known for their baseball, and I'm sure their fans fans love it. And I've got a friend out here in Dallas that played there, and he's uh, so I've followed them since the last few years, and uh, he was on that Super Regional team, I believe, and um, he's excited to watch some baseball at the Pete this weekend. Not there, but streaming at least. Um, but, yeah, like I said, step up in class, got to be ready to play. Um, they didn't have a single pitcher – throw into the fifth inning this week and it looks like they threw double digit arms this weekend so that's something we can expect um a lot of trips to the mound a lot of short leashes um so yeah hope we can be ready for it kind of scared me with the the lefty crafty lefty and the, the righty with the five pitch mix uh that's those are trigger phrases as a southern miss baseball fan sometimes but hope we can hope we can react <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go into the week uh, hoping that, um, you know, this weekend was a, a shake the rust off kind of weekend and that we're, we're going to bounce back offensively, especially. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm hoping, depending on what I've got going on at the office, I might be able to make it over to that UNO game uh, on Wednesday. So uh, that'd be cool to make that happen. Not sure if that's in the cards yet or not. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, a good Missouri State team there. I mean, we, we've said it already, but they're – pretty consistently a tournament team and, um, you know, got a lot to play for with that coach. So uh, we'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And uh, I guess just finishing off, uh, getting into this upcoming week. So I guess we'll just look at the, uh, the uh, we'll just look at the weekend games in the Sun Belt. Uh, JMU three games against uh, Fairfield. ODU hosts Rutgers, which, you know, I think Rutgers could potentially be a regional team. So that's a uh, important series uh, for ODU. Uh, Coastal hosts another round robin, uh, Illinois, Ball State, and Cincinnati. Uh, App hosts Siena. Uh, Marshall plays in a uh, the Snowbird Baseball Class with Michigan State and uh, in, in Indiana State, uh, which I guess I mentioned that they uh, started out 2-0, and and that USF tournament got uh, some good wins over uh, Louisville and, uh, and UConn. Got to play USF tomorrow, lots of rain uh, across Florida that you know really uh, kind of messed with those um, series down there, but uh, yeah, Indiana State, good start for them. And the Georgia State uh, hosting uh, Seton Hall, Arkansas State hosting Lindenwood, uh, ULL hosting Rice, uh, uh, Troy hosting Harvard, uh, ULL hosting uh, Murray State, and then Texas State is in the Round Rock Classic, which is going to have uh, Kansas, Washington State, and Kentucky. So I think if they could go two and one, I think that would be a uh, that's a lower a, talented field than they normally have in Round Rock. I feel like. Yeah, I guess Kentucky's good, but yeah, Kansas. I think Kansas lost two out of yeah they lost two out of three. Illinois, Chicago, Washington State is not really known for baseball at all. Uh, so not a not a great field, but you know Texas and Kentucky. Kentucky's been good at least last year. Texas yeah. State uh, has had some good seasons. So those are I guess you would say the top two teams in that in that field. So um, South Al uh, hosts a, a three-game set uh, against Jacksonville State, and then uh, Georgia Southern goes to Starkville to play MSU. Um, and obviously, that'll be a big series in, in May. When you know, if uh, if Georgia Southern were to somehow win that, that'll be used as ammo for USM fans uh, <laughs> and Twitter arguments in May. And if Georgia Southern goes up there and gets swept and loses with a run differential of minus twenty-five, that's uh, the state fans will make uh, USM hear about that. So uh, rooting. Uh, Rooting for Georgia Southern in there. We love the transit of property on Twitter, don't we? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so I guess what, what do you guys have anything on uh, next week in the Sun Belt, or uh, are we ready to wrap up? 
Yeah, n- nothing for Sunbelt Baseball. Well, I do want to give the, the Lady Eagles a shout-out for winning six straight Sunbelt games in a row. Uh, they're one game out of four, just like the men are. and hope they can bring two more home this week, too. Unfortunate situation on, on Saturday, and it looks like there was one game suspension, suspensions loaded for all, all of our girls. But um, it's a team that started out hot and looked like a completely different basketball team to start conference play and um, really played really well these last six, six conference games. They didn't care about the Matt Classic, but that's okay. Fitz, you got anything, or are we ready to wrap up? Uh, nope, I think you said it. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, another week. Yep, so we'll be back uh, uh, next week talking uh, baseball, basketball. And then we were going to talk about uh, Hall's NIL push on this one. We ran a little long, so we'll get to that hopefully next week and then maybe do some questions. Um, but, yeah, that is. Uh, I think that is it. So uh, thanks, folks, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.